and welcome to the One Fit Woman podcast. I am your coach Aileen and today is episode two. I'm going to be kicking things off by answering the first question, I struggle to track calories when I am out. So I get check-ins from um, a lot of people and they say I track my calories, I was so good on five or six days this week. One day I went out for dinner or went to a brunch and I couldn't track my calories and they literally just leave it there. Um, So I'm going to give you a few tips on how you can track your calories when you are out and about. So first thing is to take a photo of the meal that you have eaten or the foods that that you are having. And then from that, when you get home in the evening or the next day, you take out your phone and you have a look at the picture. And from that, you just take the main things that were on the plate and you guess the sizes and input them into the app. We want to remember that we're not looking for perfection because we'll never get that and we wouldn't do anything if we only if we only wanted to do things when it was perfect. So you can have a rough guess that a, a hand size is going to be about a cup of food and you can use that to input things. If you've been weighing for a while, you might know what 100 grams is and sort of base your guesstimation on that. So... We are trying to build habits and behaviours that are going to help us to reach our goal, but also sustain it once we get there. So we don't want to be having days where we simply don't track. We want to be at least inputting something into the app. The second thing you can do is actually ask the waiter. Sometimes they might surprise you and be able to tell you the calories in the meal. If they can't do that, then they might actually know the weight of the main item. So how much avocado it was, they might be able to tell you we used half an avocado. What was the size of this steak? 150 grams as an example, because all cafes and restaurants do an inventory. So the chef should be able to tell the waiter the weight of the food items that you have had. Number three, which I really only suggest for people that have been tracking for a long time or those that rarely go out or if it is a super special occasion and you just want to be able to enjoy it and not even take the photo. But again, this is not my um, number one suggestion. You can just think to be moderate. So we're lucky enough to be able to have access to any food that we want. And also we can afford to buy any foods and drinks that we want within reason. So you can think that you don't have to have all of those items right now. And you can certainly have a little bit of each one to show your host that you are obviously enjoying what they have prepared or just to be more relaxed and not track when you are out. Um, Moving on. Is it normal to eat more the week I'm menstruating? So the answer to this is yes, or maybe, actually, because for some people, yes, they do definitely feel hungrier when they're menstruating um, a few days before and during. Um, this, it can, this is down to um, a difference in the resting metabolic rate. So for some people, this can increase, um, and it doesn't increase the same amount for everybody. So you just have to play it by how you feel and how hungry you get. Um, There was a study that said that it can raise your resting metabolic rate, how many calories you need just to maintain life without um, expending any energy um, through activity and movement. And it was between 10% and uh, from 1.7% to 10%. So that is quite a variation and um, it just depends on you. But I suggest that during this period, you raise your calories to one to 300 and still continue to track. If you would not like to do that and you want me to arrange that 
amount of calories for you to bring you up to maintenance. So this will be the amount of calories you need to maintain your current weight um, as you are. So I can do that for you and then you can go back into your regular calories um, when you feel, when your period is finished. Okay, I'm gonna turn the page, so I've written notes here. The next question, do you think it is important to have a goal, either a weight goal or how I feel and look? I'm just gonna move the microphone in a little bit. Um, so I'm just gonna give one example of somebody that would need to have a focus of a weight goal. So if you're an athlete, or as an example, a UFC fighter, your weight category is 62 kg. You turn up on the day and you're 65 kg and you say to the, the guys doing the weigh-in, I'm not 62 kg, I'm 65, but I feel great and I look fantastic. They're just gonna turn around and say, well, unfortunately you don't meet the requirements for your weight category, so you cannot enter the fight today. So that's obviously gonna be detrimental to that athlete's um, career. They're not gonna be able to be uh, entered into their uh, fight. So it's only really in this instance, if you're an athlete or you have uh, a weight category that you need to reach for, for your work or for your hobby, as an example. For everybody else, how you feel is going to prioritize a weight on the scale. So say I have a goal, some of you do put, if I thought that having a weight goal was something that you needed to have, I would ask you what that was in the consultation, but I don't do that. So what you may think in your head, right, I want to get down to 60 kg as an example. You get to 63 kg, you're like, I, I like the size that I am, I like the way that I look, I like my body composition, and I feel really good. I've got loads of energy, um, I'm getting lots of compliments from people, and, and I'm really happy. We would not push you to lose the last 3 kg and get to 60, because it wouldn't be beneficial and it's absolutely not necessary. So the answer to this question is of course, how you feel and your body composition, how you look. Um, the next question, number five. Most days I do not hit my protein target. I get half or a quarter. How can I increase my protein target or the amount of protein that I consume? So for this one, um, I've got a couple of ways that you can do it. Number one is to have protein in every meal, starting from morning all the way through to the evening. If you get to your evening meal and you haven't hit your target, it could be very hard to suddenly be, to have to consume a lot of protein. Um, also, what a lot of people don't look at is the amount of protein you put in each meal. It might sound obvious. So say you've done got out my fitness pal, you've inputted what you're going to have. As an example, 100 grams of chicken, 100 grams of broccoli and 100 grams of rice and then you look at the protein total total for the day and it's not enough you can increase this by increasing the amount of protein from 100 grams to 150 grams or 200 in that meal but then you go over your calories so then you just look at the carbohydrates and maybe take off 20 grams from there just to balance it out so that you do stay within your calorie target but you hit your protein target as well so increasing the amount of protein in each meal is a way to hit your protein target if you really can't do that then you can also consider having a protein shake so um, you can have it with milk and a banana or some berries mix it with oats as a sort of high protein breakfast cereal um, or you can literally just put a scoop with a little bit of water, shake it up and just sort of chug it down if that is also um, something you want to do just to get the protein target uh, increased.
Next, I'm going to talk about, um, oh, the next question is, are diet drinks okay, Coke, Zero, etc.? So I'm not sure if the person is just saying, can I have fizzy drinks? Or if they're talking about if there are any harmful or hazardous effects to your health, which you may have heard some people bring this up. Um, and this is due to the artificial sweetener that is used. Aspartame, which is the name of this, uh, it's not shown to be ha have a. Uh, it's not shown to be harmful, based on the amount that they actually put in Coke Zero and other zero calorie drinks. So, uh, as an example, a can of Diet Coke has around eighty-seven milligrams of aspartame, and um, a Diet Coke, I believe, is. I'm not sure the exact number. It's around one hundred and eighty-seven. So, the FDA recommends that you uh, have a limit of 50 milligrams i have seen it also written at 40 um, per kg for aspartame so if you were 70 kg this would be around 19 cans of coke in a day so i don't think that anybody is drinking 19 cans a, a day and i don't encourage you to drink more than one or two a day because we want to be moderate across the board with everything we do so um, not exceeding that i mean if you do have three it's not going to be the end of the world but we don't want to be over consuming any foods next question um, okay i need to send you a photo of two foods to see if they are healthy this person didn't do that so if you would like to do that you still can but i might answer your question now we don't look, or we try to not look food, at foods in terms of this one is healthy and this one is not healthy. Rather, to try to look at foods in terms of this one is nutrient dense and this one is not. So, or this one is nutrient poor. So, uh, foods that are nutrient dense are going to be our veggies, proteins, and whole grains. And then foods that are calorie dense or nutrient poor are gonna be our candies, our crisps, our donuts, and these things. So obviously when we're on a weight loss journey or looking to improve our health, then foods that are higher in nutrient, vitamins and minerals are going to be far more beneficial to that than the foods that are nutrient poor or calorie dense. It doesn't mean that we can't have these foods. We also call these nutrient-poor, calorie-dense foods highly palatable, which means that you can over-consume them easily. They don't give you a feeling of fullness either. So based on that, we just want to be looking at food in terms of the nutrient content, um, not specifically, but is this a nutrient-dense food such as vegetables, meats and fish and proteins, and whole grains or is it nutrient poor candies crisps and donuts and then make our decision based on that obviously primarily we want to be having nutrient dense foods next question how do i know if i have lost fat or water weight now i think that this question comes up because i am regularly explaining to everybody that water the body can hold on to water which can mask actual fat loss results and this water goes up and down throughout every day as well as other things um, depending on how hydrated we are if we went to the bathroom our carbohydrate um, consumption sodium and so on sleep etc so we will never actually be able to specifically say unless we were to go into um a bod pod which actually measures these things accurately so we don't need to do that and it's not something that we will ever need to do so these are um, ways that you can actually tell so 
The scale weight will change, but again, this will change over time. So it is an indicator to fat loss, but not in the short term. Um, your clothes will fit differently. Your photos will show a change and your measurements will have changed. So these are all ways that you can tell if you've lost fat over water. Um, next question. How can I reduce my snacking? Crisp chick <laughs> chicks. Crisp chips, candies, ice creams and chocolates. So I've got a few tips for how you can reduce snacking. So the first one is to only snack when it is planned. So you've got your MyFitnessPal app. You've also maybe done your, hopefully done your schedule of the foods you're going to eat for the week. And in that, you need to think ahead. Uh, am I going to have a movie night at home and have um, some snacks with that of these highly palatable snacks that I have mentioned? Um, so we only want to snack when it's planned. That should hopefully try to stop us from just reaching into the fridge willy-nilly and grabbing out a little chunk of chocolate thinking it's only a little bit and then it's so delicious and creamy we grab another bit and before we know it, we're just standing in the kitchen snacking and then we're like oh bullshit so next never eat from the packets if you think that i'm only going to have half a packet of maltesers crisps or whatever it is no we take the snack amount that we have allocated and we put it into a bowl or on a plate and we take it away from the kitchen to another room where we're going to sit and enjoy the snacks that we have allocated for ourselves um, if you start to eat snacks from the packet then you will eat all the snacks so don't just take that big grab bag um, just put the amount that you want to eat into a, a bowl or a plate and take it with you um, what have I put next Oh, and then the last one I've just written again, which I already said, don't snack in the kitchen. So that's my um, tips on how you can reduce your snacking. Next, I'm going to just go back to the first part of my notes. Okay, so this is something that I have put in here. It's something that I spoke about on my Instagram and Facebook. When I didn't speak, I wrote about. Why you, why you shouldn't only focus on the end goal so we all have a goal or something that we want to improve so while having a clear goal is important we need to also think and focus more on the steps we need to take to get there when you have that tunnel vision and you're only focusing on the end goal it can be a little bit detrimental to your progress so when you're doing your check-ins each week and you're not able to recognize the things you have done well can leave you feeling a little bit disappointed, unhappy, anxious, or maybe demotivated. From this, you may start to have more negative thoughts. I'm never going to reach my goal. This isn't working for me. I must be doing something wrong, or I can't do this. So being unhappy that you didn't lose scale weight, which is where so many of you put your focus, um, is obviously going to make you feel unhappy when you're not recognizing all the other things that you have done that are positives that you are improving that are the steps to you reaching your goal and sustaining it when you get there so if you can try to, to switch your focus to the daily goals or the process goals of being more active did you do more steps this week than last week eating more veggies or improving the amount of veggies that you eat improving or hitting your protein targets, staying within your calorie target, sleeping better. Uh, maybe you went to an event and you were moderate 
or you actually track the items and whereas usually you wouldn't these are all things these are all wins these are all things that you are improving and they are all positive things towards the goal and to sustaining your end goal when you get there so again finding the positives here and giving yourself praise for doing or improving those things is going to put you in a far better state of mind for me when i give myself a hard time um it creates these feelings of unhappiness and a lot of the time anxiousness and then i start thinking you know things like i'm not good enough or i'll never do this and obviously that's not the type of mindset that we want to have those kinds of feelings are ones that as humans we try to take our, ourselves away from them Um, And this also means that we can take ourselves away from the self-belief that we can do this. Those process goals are what is going to sustain your results long-term when you get there. So that tunnel vision that I mentioned in the beginning could stop you understanding that when you tick your boxes or your daily goals, you are creating the habits and behaviours that you need to maintain your results long-term. So you won't reach your goal and then go back to your old habits. So when you have this tunnel vision to the end part, you're going to miss out on all of the valuable learning and positives of what you're doing now and how important it is uh, implementing these and really creating a new normal for the way you look after yourself, eating habits, your activity levels and your overall health. So recognising the positives in each day will make the process a happier and more sustainable one. Um, right, I'm going to switch back to the end. Okay, so next, what is the definition of successful weight loss? I wanted to bring this up because I see a lot of the time, um, or in fact, recently I've seen it, I believe two or three times on Facebook, people asking about different diets and if anyone has experience with them and then seeing the comments that people have written. So keto, Atkins, People don't really use the Atkins diet, doesn't really bounce around as much anymore. But people do often cut out bread, rice and pasta and say, I did that and it worked really well for me. But I'm going to go back to um, the first one that I mentioned, keto. So the specific posts that I had seen were people saying, how did you find keto? Or can you tell me about your experience with it? And people had said, keto was absolutely amazing for me. I lost 10 kg in five months. And then below that they write, but I've put it all back on, but it was really good when I did it and I really enjoyed it and got great results. So the definition of successful weight loss is reaching your goal and sustaining it long term. If you have done a diet in the past and you lost weight and you say it worked really well for me, but you've put the weight back on, it didn't work really well for you because you didn't sustain the results long term. What we are doing is creating all of these habits and I know that it can be annoying to track all the time in the beginning and maybe frustrating at times and difficult. Um, But these habits you're learning are going to be something that you will keep with you for life. You will not not know how you're getting your results. We all know that improving our Uh, nutrient intake with our vegetables, increasing our fibre, eating more protein um, and understanding the amount of food that we're eating is what is going to sustain this long term. So um, I also wanted to just quickly say about Atkins or when you take out um, bread, rice, pasta, potatoes, carbohydrates. 
There is no magic in taking out carbohydrates. They do not make you gain weight faster and they do not make you lose weight faster. When someone takes carbohydrates out of their diet, they are simply taking out a whole macronutrient group and they are reducing their overall energy intake, their calorie intake overall. So again, it's just about energy balance. Um, Now, uh, I just want to check. Okay, I'm already at the last part. I hope I haven't been speaking too quickly. So I want... reading it like a question it's something i've written so i now want to explain to you the whole process of weight loss over time and the journey that we've all we're all on i'm everyone i'm working with is at different stages some people are just at the beginning um some people are really um seven eight nine months in so at the moment not at the moment because i'm talking about everybody separately but when we start, we usually will start in a weight loss phase. Some people will start in a maintenance phase because we want to not put their calories low so that they, they can start to really get into the habit of everything they're doing. It just completely depends on the person. But overall, most people will start in a weight loss phase. The weight loss phase is a negative energy balance. So the calories are less than you need to maintain your current body weight so that we can reduce your overall body weight. Um, So that's the weight loss phase. The calories are lower. And um, this, I want to bring it to your attention, is not forever, okay? So these low calories, a lot of the time people look and go, oh, I couldn't do that forever. And it's like, well, great, because you don't have to. It's just in the phase of dieting. We go into the dieting phase for 10 to maybe 16 weeks at a max, or sometimes that dieting phase is not as long as that because people are maybe going to go away and travel or because they have had a number of weeks where they have not met their calorie requirement and then some adjustments need to be made. But if you have done your 10 to 16 weeks and you are still and you have felt really really good and every week we've checked in and you've just said yep I'm good I'm ready to continue for the next week and the next week and the next week it will get to a point where it will get just around 10 to 12 weeks and I will ask you if you um, feel that you're ready to take a diet break and some people are oh yeah actually I would like that they're not aware of exactly what that is so at this time we um once you've gone through your first phase of weight loss or dieting phase we put you into a dieting break this is a controlled break it is not just a woohoo yeah diet break i'm gonna go crazy no the controlled diet breaks are where we bring your calories up to maintenance for your current body weight um, and then you are able to enjoy more food um, and this not only for that reason it's also important to reset hormonal markers um, dieting is actually a stress on the body the body doesn't want us to take away the energy that we're giving it it wants to try to maintain the weight as you are um, and it can also be really powerful to reset your mind ready to start in the next dieting phase um, then once this diet break has happened depending on how much weight you have to lose you'll most people will go back in because most people won't reach their goal within 10 to 12 or 16 weeks you'll go back into your second dieting phase and we repeat this process until you reach your goal once you reach your goal however long down the line that is we then want to do a reverse diet so these lower calories as i said in the beginning are not forever the reverse diet works where we will start to increase your calories 
gradually, week by week, usually over a four to eight week period until you notice uh, a gain in the scales. Um, once we get that, um, we realize that you have maybe gained a little bit of weight. It won't be much at all. Over maybe a two week period, we then say, right, this is your true maintenance. We then stop and hopefully you still continue to work with me and we take you through a maintenance phase where you simply maintain your weight, but on your, you maintain your new low weight, but on higher calories. So we're basically letting the body adapt metabolically each week to an increase in calories without gaining weight. And that is how you do a successful, um, that is the, how you do a successful diet where you reach this stage of maintenance, um, maintaining your new low weight on higher calories. So that is how it works. And then there's the option to just say, hey, I'm happy, thanks so much. And now I've learned all these skills over the last few months or quite a few months working with you. Or you say, I'm actually gonna start up in my gym and I wanna get more muscle definition and so on and so forth. And then we go through um, another phase if you want to do that. Um, so I think that's everything. I have actually recorded this 55 times and my neighbors, Kids, unfortunately, have, unfortunately for me, probably unfortunately for them too, have been uh, a little bit screamy. And then we've had a few cat fights. And then I recorded the whole episode, which last time was 30 minutes, but the sound quality was poor. So I hope that um, you can hear this well. And please, please send me any questions, anything at all. I really want to help you by answering them. And I look forward to you listening next week. <laughs> Thank you.